Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. We hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Growing up, things were tight. I always held money close to my chest and spent it my way. It wasn't until I decided to trust in God fully that the fear of not having enough faded away. Now I'm living a blessed life. God always gives me what I need. What's up, everybody? Hey, welcome to week two of The Blessed Life. Let's give a big welcome to Church Online, all seven campuses with us today. Hey, we got to start with a little celebration. Some of you guys took a huge step of faith last week, and you decided to put God first in your finances. That's the first step to a life God blesses. When you put God first by honoring him with your tithe, here's the incredible news. You ready? Last week, 741 people signed up to take the 90-day tithe challenge. We're here for you. Praise God for you, man. That's awesome. Hey, if you weren't here, we learned that the first principle of a blessed life, a blessed family, a blessed home, is returning a tithe or 10% of your income to God through the local church where you're fed spiritually. Not like a, not like a religious tax, but again, just the sense of freedom and grace and thankfulness for who God is and what he's done. In Malachi 3, God said, I want you to bring the what? The, the whole tithe into the storehouse, another name for the church, then there may be food in my House. Notice it says bring the tithe, not give a tithe. You know why? Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. God owns it all. Every dime, every dollar that flows through your hands, it's a gift from God to you. And God says, hey, keep 90%, but first return a tithe to show I'm number one in your life. And God made a promise when you sacrifice the first, I will redeem the rest. He says, test me in this. Everyone say, test me. I want you to see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much what, church? So much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Translation, when you bring your first and best back to God, that 10% tithe off the top, he says, I am now going to bless the rest. So those of you who signed up, get ready. Uh, this season, I'm praying for you. I'm asking God, just open the floodgates of heaven, uh, pour out blessing on your family, on your work, blessing on your marriage, on your children, on your legacy. I really am. I, I'm expecting God's going to do more than you ask or imagine according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. Last week, I showed you um, the pizza box budget that Colleen and I wrote 25 years ago. Back in 1997, we were a young couple trying to buy our first house. We had this very tight budget, and I heard from a lot of you said, man, that's us. We were, try we're trying to buy our first house right now, or we're starting a family this year, or you're pursuing a new job. And I just want to encourage you, when you put God first in your budget, as long, even if it's tight, everything else seems to come into order. And so Colleen and I, we committed to tithe on our joint income, and we've just seen God do incredible things in our family and lives for 25 years. There's another number on here I haven't shown you yet. I'm going to show you at the end. But God says to you, hey, go, don't take Tim's word for it. Try it yourself. Test me in this. So if you're not tithing, the 90-day tithe challenge is very simple. It's take God at his word. And for the next 90 days, return 10% of your gross income to our church and see if God isn't faithful to bless you. So if you're like a tipper, you know, you know what a tipper is? You know, you like give whatever in your wallet, like, oh, I like that song today. <laughs> Go from being a tipper to a tither for three months and watch what God does in your life. Remember, there's no risk to this. We, like we say, there's a 90-day tithe challenge. It comes with this money-back guarantee. Like, we just commit. 
If you tithe to God for three months, you feel he doesn't prove faithful to his promises, we will refund your tithe 100%, no questions asked. That's how confident I am of God's promises. Remember, you can never outgive God, amen? If you'll stop robbing him or putting him second and put him first, he'll provide blessings you don't even see coming, like harmony in your home, a new discipline to get out of debt, even leave a legacy for your kids. Now, I want to be something also clear about something. We're not like tracking the amount you give, okay? That's, that's like between you and God. But understand your weekly tithe is changing the world. Every week we send part of your tithe outside these church walls to help the poor. So your tithe helps feed the homeless on the streets of our cities. Your, your tithe allows us to serve kids with Asperger's and, and autism and, and, and bring clean drinking water to thirsty families in Africa. Your tithe has paid for five million meals around the globe for hungry families the last five years. That's the power of blessed life, okay? So I want you to always think of our church like a funnel, okay? When you tithe each week to liquid, you're not giving to our church, you're giving through our church to help those who have nothing. So stick with it. If you signed up, get started. If you didn't sign up, not too late to hop aboard. Just scan the QR code, or if you're online, visit liquidchurch.com tithe. And when you sign up, I'm going to send you a free book. We actually ran out of copies. The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. Very powerful book, inspired the series. And in fact, we, we, so many of you signed up last week, we ran out of books. But I want to let you know, we got more in this week. So go to the Welcome Center and pick up your free copy at your campus at the end of today's service. Or we can send it to you if you're online. All right. Today, I want to teach you something brand new. It's called the principle of multiplication. Everyone say multiplication. Multiplication. How many of you hated math in middle school? <laughs> okay. Well, here's a question. Here's a question. How many of you would be okay if God wanted to multiply your resources? Would you be okay with that? Yeah? Multiply what you have? Good news. God is a God of multiplication. He can do it, and he wants to do it. Now, this is part two of the blessed life, and last week I taught you the principle of first. The first must be sacrificed, that's a tithe, so the rest can be redeemed. Now, I'm going to teach you the sister principle, the principle of multiplication. Hey, they're related, okay? They're twins. But this is advanced, okay? Tithing is basic. It's the ground floor of generosity. It sets the stage for the blessing. But this principle of multiplication is for those of you who are like, I want to go beyond the basics, Tim. Like, I, I get, like, tithing, but I want to see God do miracles, okay? Especially with my money. I like that. Now, remember what I'm going to teach you. I never teach you give to get. I am teaching you get to give. Big difference. Lots of prosperity TV preachers will teach you give to get. Like, hey, if you sow a seed, I'm going to plant a money tree in your backyard. It's going to rain money. That's give to get. I'm teaching the opposite. Get to give. As you open your hands, it attracts God's favor. And he says, and now I can trust that person. I'm going to pour more blessing and resources through them where you become a funnel to bless others. So understand he's a God of multiplication. And I want to teach you the most famous miracle of multiplication Jesus ever did in Luke chapter 9. So you can turn there in your Bible or mobile app. Now, here's the deal with this. How many have heard of like the feeding of the 5,000, okay? Almost everybody, right? Even if you haven't been in church for a while. This is the only miracle besides the resurrection recorded in our, all four Gospels. So it could be inferred that this is the most important miracle Jesus ever performed. Now, my Bible says the feeding of the 5,000... But this title's a little misleading, as I'm about to show you. I'm going to show you today some things you've never seen before. Here's what Luke writes. He says, late, everyone say late, late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to Jesus and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, 
you feed them. <laughs> but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about how many people? 5,000 men there. Now, let me hit pause for just a minute because most people again think Jesus fed 5,000 people, but that's not the case. In Jewish culture at this time, the way they counted crowds is they only counted the men because they were considered the head of the family. So when it says there's about 5,000 men there, if you add the wives and the children, it's a lot more, right? In fact, at the time, the average Jewish family had a husband, wife, and four to five kids. But I'm like, let's be conservative. Let's imagine each family was a family of four, right? Husband, wife, two kids. So what was the actual size of the crowd? You guys know how to do simple math, okay? Any numbers, people here? Who likes math? Okay, we're gonna do a little math today. How many of you hate math, all right? I was an English major. Math was not my strong suit. But you can probably do the easy multiplication. 5,000 men times four in each family equals how many? 20,000 people. Good. Oh, you guys know how to multiply, awesome. The point is, it's a much bigger miracle than you think. 20,000 people is the average seating of Madison Square Garden. So I want you to imagine a Billy Joel concert, okay? You got a crowd of 20,000 fans on this grassy hill listening to Jesus teach, and he feeds them with five loaves and two fish. So this is a bigger miracle than you know. By the way, Matthew backs this up. In his eyewitness account, look what Matthew says. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. What's my point? It's fine for you to call it the feeding of 5,000 as long as you got in your head. It ain't 5,000 people, it's 5,000 families. Back to verse 14. For there were about 5,000 men there, and Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. Now notice Jesus is a math person too. So the people all sat down, and Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up towards heaven, and he what? He blessed them. Everyone say blessed them. He blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Now you may be wondering, why were there 12 baskets of leftovers? And theologians aren't sure, but I, I think just my opinion, I think Jesus wanted each disciple to have their own doggy bag, you know? Think about it. He not only fed Madison Square Garden, he sent him home with takeout, guys. Jesus is a God of multiplication who can exponentially, exponentially multiply whatever you put in his hands. Jesus says, I can bless it, I can give it back to you, and multiply the impact as you share your resources with others. And let me tell you, how many of you know multiplication is way better than addition? Okay, ready math people, people who were raised their hand before when I said math, you're like, woo, it's about time, okay? Let's do some basic addition, okay? Here we go, ready? Five loaves plus two fish equals, what is that? Five plus two is seven. All right, look at that, man. You passed basic. This is man's math, okay? This is how man does it. Five plus two. Understand on your own, you have no power to multiply what's in your hands. You can only do basic math, but watch. Whatever you put in Jesus' hands for him to bless and then share, he multiplies. Five plus two times Jesus <laughs> equals what? 20,000 remainder 12, okay? This is, they call this kingdom calculus, okay? This is how God does it. He multiplies while you're doing math. 
Translation, I want you to think about what this means for your finances. You and I are playing checkers when God wants to play chess. Your heavenly father has more than you know. And he actually wants to bless others through your giving. But you have to understand this principle of multiplication first. And here's the principle. It must first be blessed by Jesus before it can multiply in your hands. You understand? Let me show you what I mean. We just did math and I just realized this was very stressful for half of you, okay? Left brainers, Dave, Dave, you lo Dave loves the math. Rosa's like, what's that? This is not calculus, just watch. Right brainers love stories. So let me just kind of share a little story here, David. I, um, I, I like to put myself sometimes in a Bible story. And so I want you to imagine um, for a minute that what it would be like to experience this firsthand. P pretend right now you're one of the 12 disciples. And I want you to imagine, let's do it this way. Imagine you're there on that hillside and you are a member of the Messiah search committee, right? So you're one of the 12 guys who's trying to figure out whether or not Jesus is the true Messiah or savior people's been waiting for. And you're like, man, I left my fishing business to follow this Jesus guy. And now you're traveling with him on this nationwide speaking tour. And today is the biggest crowd you've ever seen. Again, imagine the Madison Square Garden, okay? And Jesus, he's like praying backstage and you go up to him and you're like, Jesus, Jesus, just take, take a look out there, man. Bro, you're playing the garden. There's 20,000 people. And they're spread out on this huge hillside in Galilee, like a natural amphitheater. By the way, theologians think this is probably the largest crowd Jesus ever spoke to. So you're like, Jesus, this is incredible. And Jesus is like, I'm praying. And you're like, all right, well, I'm going to send out a tweet. Sold out show tonight in Galilee, you know? <laughs> and, and Jesus is just like, Peter, would you just knock it off, you know? And, and so anyway, Jesus goes on stage at the top of the hill, and he starts teaching people about God, like I'm, I'm doing right now. And again, let's pretend it's Sunday morning. Let's say it's the 11 o'clock service. And Jesus is preaching, and he's going on, and you're like, oh, this is really good. But now it's almost around noon, you know, 12, 12, 15. And that's when the service usually ends, right? And you're expecting Jesus to wrap up like, oh, man, this is good. But to your surprise, Jesus just keeps going. And, and you look at your watch, and you think, well, you know, he, Jesus is preaching pretty good. He is the Messiah. Everyone, I mean, everyone seems to be enjoying it. We'll let him go a little longer today. And Jesus keeps going, and now all of a sudden it's 12.30, and, and you're like, man, I, I, hope, I hope he wraps up soon. Like, we got to go to lunch. If he, if he doesn't, you, you, the disciples start whispering, if he doesn't uh, wrap up, the Pharisees are going to beat us to Applebee's, all right? And, and, so, and Jesus keeps right on going, and now it's 1 o'clock, still going, 2 o'clock, still going, 3 o'clock, still going. If this is football season, you miss kickoff, Okay. Four o'clock, five o'clock come and go, and Jesus is still going on and on. Now, I'm not exaggerating this. Look what the text says. Verse 12, it says, late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. So it's out in the country, and they're like, Jesus, I, I know you're really into this, but the sun is now setting over the hill. One translation says, I love this, when the day began to wear away. You know what that means in the Greek? It means when the day began to wear away, man. This is like, they have missed lunch. No one's leaving, but it's five o'clock and the 12 of you are like getting worried. And so you, you call the committee together and Peter's like, uh, you, if he doesn't wrap this up, nothing's gonna be open. The Olive Garden in Galilee is already closed. Uh, Chili's in Bethlehem is closes in 40 minutes. We're not gonna make it if we're walking. Uh, Chick-fil-A closed on Sundays. If, if, I, if we don't eat, I'm going to die. He's going to have to do a resurrection miracle right here. No one had lunch and the people are getting hangry. And then one of the disciples says, that's it. That's it. What's it? 
let's tell Jesus the people are getting hungry. He seems to care a lot about them, you know? Like, that's not so much, but, and Peter's like, oh, that, that's, that's good. And then imagine they elect you the spokesman. It's like, you go, t- you go tell him. So now imagine you have to go tell Jesus this. He's speaking to 20,000 people. He's still preaching. You walk up behind him like, excuse, excuse me, excuse, Lord, just, excuse me. Excuse, so I'm so sorry, everybody. And Jesus is like, what? And he turns to you and you're like, and you're like boy, Jesus, this, this is, what a day. This is, has this been a great day, folks? This is the awesome teaching. I mean, Jesus, can I just say this, this whole series of messages that you're preaching all in one day, just <laughs> thumbs up, okay? Anyway, the guys and I are just talking. We're just, we're just a little concerned about the, the people. We feel they're getting hungry. I, I understand. I could go all night, right, John? I told John that. I'd, I'd just keep going. But we feel like the people are getting hungry, and it's getting late. Restaurants are going to close, Lord, so maybe we feel like it might just possibly be best if you sort of wrap it up. <laughs> and Jesus just kind of looks at you and is like, the people, huh? You're concerned about the people? Oh, oh yeah, Lord, it, it's, it's all about the people. Just maybe just, we could add an extra show tomorrow. And Jesus looks down like he's thinking, and he looks up at you, and he says, um, you feed them. And you're like, pardon me? Excuse, excuse me. Like, Why don't you feed them? And you're like, me? me fe- no, yeah, you guys feed them. Okay, all right, I'll, 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 go, I'll go tell the guys, thank you. And you go back to the rest of the guys, and they're like, did you, did you tell me? You're like, oh, yeah, I, I told them, I told them, all right. <laughs> People, I told him people are getting hungry. That's what I said. So is he going to wrap up? Not exactly. Well, what did he say? He's, you know, he's, he's, he said, uh, he said, he said uh, you, you, feed, you feed them? What? He said, you feed them. What's he talking about? And one of them does the quick math. He's like, dude, do the count. 20,000 people. It's going to be like a year's wages to feed a crowd this size. This is a disaster. The only thing open is the Pizza Hut in Nazareth. And the salad garden sucks. They don't want to go... And you're like debating, and then someone says, well, why don't you go out in the crowd, see if they have anything? And so you all fan out, you check with people, any food, and no one's got nothing. But after 20 minutes, you reconvene, and then Peter comes running back. Peter, of all people, comes right back. He goes, guys, guys, I got something. I I got something. And you're like, where'd you get that? And Peter's like, some little kid had it. And he gave it to you. I just told him Jesus needs it. I took it from him. I said, I... You stole some kid's happy meal? Did he, see, you, he said you feed him. And you're like, well, well, what's in it? And like, you open the happy meal, and you're like, well, there's, there's two filet fish You know, a couple buns, four buns, filet fish an extra dinner roll, plus, a, plus this. What's that? That's Guardians of the Galaxy action figure. That's, this is what we got, people, okay? And you're literally like, my Lord, kid got a two-piece happy meal. What are we going to do with this? Well, I'm take it to Jesus. Me? You're the spokesman. Go tell him. This is all we got. Five loaves, two filet of fish. So, so kind of sheepish. You go back to Jesus. He's still preaching. You're like, Lord, sorry. Sorry to interrupt again. Um, this is kind of what we, what we got. And Jesus is like, Where, where'd you get this? And you're like, well, from, from a little kid. And he's like, that boy gave this to you? Well, no, 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 not exactly. Peter took it from him. Not me, Lord. You know how Peter is. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah I know. I'm working with him. Uh, and you think, right, he's finally going to dismiss the service. Like, wouldn't that make sense? If you never read this, wouldn't it make sense now you send everybody home? Of course it makes sense. 
Listen to me. Does tithing make sense? Bringing your first and your best, the little bit that you have and you bring it to Jesus, you can't imagine how God could possibly bless this, but God doesn't think like you, does he? The word says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God's like, I don't think like you. You are a man and you think math. I'm God. I think multiplication. Put it in the hands of Jesus and watch what happens. So Jesus takes the bread. He takes the fish. He gives the toy over to to Peter. You keep that. And he lifts it to heaven. And the Bible says he blesses it. And you lean in and he's holding this up. And you hear him say, Abba, you own it all. And so we gladly give our first and our best to you. Now, Father, bless what little we have to offer. Stretch out your hand to feed these precious people. Amen. And scripture says, then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to who? To the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. So I want you to imagine Jesus just blesses this thing and says, all right, boys, I'm going to break it up here. Go get them. He hands it to you. Now, don't miss something here, important. Most Christians think the miracle took place when Jesus blesses it, like it multiplied in his hands, but it didn't, did it? The miracle happened after Jesus blessed it and put it in the hands of the disciples to give away. And this is the principle. You first bring your resources to Jesus. He blesses it, that's the tithe, but then he puts more in your hands to give away to help others. Remember he said, you feed him, and so you look in the basket and you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed all these people. You want to maybe pray again, Lord? No, 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 it's good. Okay, all right. Just, all right, I'm going to start giving it, giving it away. And you're like, this is going to be a little bit embarrassing. Well, here's, here, here's, a, here's a piece for you, uh, uh, Robert. Okay, don't, maybe you could, could you share it with, don't take too much, all right? Maybe, maybe you could just kind of share this with Dave over there. Um, it, it, over here, let's give a look. I'm so sorry. This is, we're probably going to run out. This is, this is all we have, and, and we could have, wait, wait a minute. What's it? Here's, there, there's more. There's, there's actually, you, there's some for you. There's some for you. There's some for, holy, Mo- what's going on here? Holy Moses. Oh my, oh my goodness. This is, the, what in the filet fish is happening? <laughs> Verse 17 says, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Who wants take home? (laughs) Now, listen, I'm having a little fun today. Did you know it's okay to have fun in church, by the way? It's one of our core values. Church is fun. But don't miss something serious here. This is going to be life-changing for some of you. The miracle doesn't happen in the master's hands. It happens in his disciples' hands as they took what Jesus blessed and gave it away. These are two principles here. They're very simple. The first is this. It must be blessed before it can multiply. Last week we learned the way your finances are blessed is you bring the tithe, that first 10% of your income to the house of God, right? That's your local church. God says this in Exodus. He says, bring the best, the first and the best, the best of your first fruits." of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Notice it says, bring your first fruits, not your leftovers. The first 10% of your gross income, where do you bring it? To the house of the Lord your God. That's where Jesus blesses it. Technically, you can't bring your tithe to a TV ministry. You can't give your tithe to a missionary or your favorite charity. You could give an offering like above and beyond, but the tithe always goes first to the Lord. And I'll just be honest with you guys. I know Christians who give a little bit here and they give a little bit there and a little bit there but they don't bring the first 10% to the house of the Lord and their finances aren't blessed 
because they're just doing math where only Jesus has the power to multiply it. You know, this week I got a text from a man in our church. He said, Tim, I, I, I wish he goes, I could tell everybody, but I have a testimony about being blessed after deciding to tithe. He said, early in our married life, having just bought a house, there was no way we could tithe financially. We just couldn't do the math. And so we decided to trust God, but only to the extent of tithing after taxes were taken out. He says, but God has such a sense of humor. The next week, social security stopped coming out of my paycheck. So my check increased by, listen to this, the exact dollar and cents amount of my first hive check. He wrote me, he said, I'm convinced that was God just showing off by giving us our money back to the penny and the dollar. Listen to me. You will never convince my friend that was a coincidence. That's God winking at him. That's God saying, don't trust in man's math. Do it my way. I want to I bless what you bring me. See, tithe is a blessing word. I had a business owner tell me last week, they said, Tim, I'm actually nearing retirement, and I was going to sell my business this year. And she, and she said, you know what I just realized? I got a tithe on the sale of my business. I was like, really? Because I think a lot of people would say, hey, you're retiring, maximize your profits, save all you can. And she said, are you kidding? I want God to bless my retirement, so I'm going to tithe on the sale of my business. Isn't that cool? God says, I want to multiply your resources, but first you've got to give it to me. Put it in the hands of Jesus to bless. Can you imagine, go back to the disciples, what would have happened if they didn't bring the bread and the fish back to Jesus to bless? Imagine they just started handing it out, right? Handing it out before he blessed it. Would there have been a miracle? No. In the same way, when you hold back from God, you give a little here, you give a little there, but you don't bring the first 10% to him, it doesn't have the blessing of God on it. Robert Morris puts it this way in his book. He says, I know many sweet Christians who have never seen their finances multiply. And often the reason is that the money hasn't been blessed. When you give it to the Lord first and the Lord puts his blessing on it, then and only then does it have the ability to multiply. Everyone say Jesus. Louder. Jesus, he's the only one who has the power to multiply your money. Amen? It must be blessed before it can multiply. Then notice the order. Once he blesses it, now he gives it back to you to give away to others. Principle number two, only what's given away can multiply. Jesus puts the bread back in your hand so that you can now give extravagantly over and above to people in need who are hungry, what we would call offerings to feed the hungry, to help a single mom with her rent. When you, when you give away what Jesus puts in your hand, that's when the miracle happens. Again, imagine what would have happened if Jesus blesses the, the happy meal, and after he blesses it, he goes, here you go, guys. And Peter's like, thank you, Lord. Oh, good, I love filet fish And he eats it all himself. He's like, John, you want the other? Imagine they ate everything. The rest of the people would have starved. Would there be a miracle? No, that's the secret. Only what's given away can multiply. The reality is there are a lot of Christians who tithe but rarely to never give anything above to help other people in need. And here's the sad thing. What God has given you has the potential to multiply unless you just keep it and eat it for yourself. Let me tell you how this worked with my own family, with, with Colleen and I. Again, last week, right, I showed you, oh man, who wants a filet of fish Look at this thing. This is like, that's all right, I'll save it for the second service. We'll pretend it's new. Last week, I showed you our pizza box from the 1900s, 1997, their first budget as newlyweds, 
And I don't know if you can see this, but we made a combined income of $87,000. I made $42,000 as a teacher, her $45,000. And we're trying to save for our first home. And you see, we listed all the expenses, right? Rent, utilities, food, transportation. And our problem was, is we were broke. <laughs> we couldn't buy a house. And so we started cutting things out. We're like, we're not going to eat out anymore, cancel cable. But we said, we're not going to cancel this. We're still going to tithe 10% off our gross salary before taxes or anything is taken out. We're going to give it back to God. So that first year was $8,700 of our joint income. We gave it to the local church we were attending, not liquid at the time. And we did that for the first 10 years of our marriage. Whenever our salaries went up, our tithing went up. It actually became a habit of ours. I think tithing is a holy habit of a happy home. If you want a home where there's peace and there's order because God comes first, I think tithing is one of the foundational stones. And I remember around year five, the church that we were attending at the time, they actually wanted to buy property for a new youth building. And they had a special offering. And they said, anybody with a heart for the next generation can give an offering. And Colleen and I, we didn't have kids at that point, but really they were just like, just pray about it. And so we prayed about it because the offering was above and beyond our tithe. And we're like, that ain't in the budget, bro. But I prayed and I felt like the Lord saying, Tim, I want you to give an offering of $5,000. And that was a huge stretch for us, still is. Call went off to pray about it too. And then we had a meeting at the kitchen table. And I was nervous because I didn't know what she was going to say. So we sat down and Call said, I don't know if you're going to like this, honey. But I prayed and I felt like God said, we're supposed to give. And I was like, oh boy. And she says, $5,000. And I was shocked because it's the exact same number that God gave me. By the way, that is a best practice couple's. Whenever God tells you to give above and beyond your tithe, first pray about it separately. Then you come together and you talk about it and wait until you have unity. You know why? He's a God of order and unity, not division. So you wait till you have common ground and then listen, listen, give whatever Jesus tells you. So we gave our first large offering, $5,000, and it meant we couldn't redo our patio. We, we had this old crumbling patio. Any of you guys that got that? Like, the, you know, the ants and the, you know, like poured in 1968 and hadn't been touched since. And we had all these plans to repave it and we were gonna do this nice landscaping. But we said, well, you know what? The Lord is gonna let us build something else this year, something for youth. And so we gave $5,000 over and above our $8,700 tithe. And that's how giving and offering became a habit for us. Colin and I were amazed how God spoke to both of us, and so we just started listening wherever there was a need, and wherever God told us to give, we gave. Some of it was the specific things that God just put in our heart. I remember two years in, we started giving to a crisis pregnancy center that helped unwed moms and at-risk women, and I was close to Colleen's heart, and so we committed, we're going to give a monthly offering, again, not our tithe, and we have been doing that for 20 years. We, we've supported missionaries all over the world, from Africa to China to New Zealand. We have several missionaries who don't go to this church who we, who we give to. And 15 years ago, we started this church. And again, we were in our 30s. We had two young kids. And I remember us praying together. We had actually a big prayer of God. We said, God, if we're going to lead this church, would you give us the grace, the blessing, to always be among the top 100 families who give generously? We want to lead by example and lead the way in generosity. And so we, when we launched Liquid, we actually upped our tithe from, from 10% to 11%, and then 12%. And I think it went up to 14% the year we bought this building, the broadcast campus. And some of you remember, we had a special offering called Saturate. 
because we had this God-given vision. We're going to saturate our state with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Colleen and I, again, we weren't, you know, we, we wanted to give that offer, but we didn't have the money. But that same year, Colleen's grandfather passed away and left her a, a small inheritance. Not a lot, but a, but a nice like little sum. Let me put it this way. It could have paid for two years of college, okay? And so we went back again and prayed about it separately. And we came back to our kitchen table. And I was like, you go first. It's your inheritance. I had in the back of my head like maybe half, maybe 60%, 70%. And called in bad and she said, God's saying we should give it all. And so we went with all because it was her inheritance. And we gave it all to help establish God's house here at Liquid. And I, I want to let you know, you're sitting among many families here who made similar above and beyond sacrifices to build the church that you're sitting in right now. Now don't miss this. The blessing of the many came from the sacrifice of the few. In other words, we're all blessed today because a lot of people listened to Jesus and gave him what little was in their hands and he multiplied it thousands of times over. And it's a joy, it's a joy to see that impact. Fueled by that joy, we just kept chugging away over the years. One Christmas, our family wanted to fund a clean water well. Our kids were like, let's give a whole well as a family. And we're like, you know how much that is? They're like, no, it's a couple hundred bucks. We're like, it's $7,000. But they're like, but that's gonna be a whole village in Rwanda. We're like, yes. And so we, didn't, we did a staycation that year instead. And we gave a $7,000 offering, not a tithe. We've given offerings to feed the homeless over the years in Newark and Patterson to help kids with special needs have a prom. That's like party money, man. Whenever we do that, we're just like, come on, that's just a joy, right? Launching, we love to do it. You know why? Do you know why we did all this stuff in the margins of our little budget? Because our family wants to build a spiritual portfolio. You know, some of you have a financial portfolio of stocks you invest in. I just believe every Christian should have a spiritual portfolio of kingdom causes you're investing in that have an eternal ROI. They have a return on investment. Jesus says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And this is especially, listen to me, if you have this spiritual gift of giving. Did you guys know this? Romans 13 says there's a supernatural grace or gift of giving. In other words... All Christians should worship, right? But some people have a gift of worship. You understand that. I don't want to hear all you sing. <laughs> all Christians should give. But there is also a supernatural gift of giving where God puts a special grace on your life to be generous. And people ask me sometimes, to say, well, Tim, how do you know if you have the gift of giving? And here's one way. One way is that God will sometimes speak to you in numbers. He will, he will highlight a need and he will say, I want you to give this specific amount to it. Now, as a pastor, notice I never tell, ever tell people to give a specific number because that's between you and the Lord. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, they know me. My counsel is, whatever he tells you to give, just give it. Don't overthink it. Because it's not about the amount, it's about obedience. And you can never outgive God, can you? Guys, it requires sacrifice to give when Jesus says, give away. I, again, I, I've tried to be very honest with you. We're not rich, just so you guys know, I don't have a secret jet I do not drive a Lambo or something. I drive a used truck, okay? We've never owned a new car in our family. Not because it's a bad thing. I got nothing against new cars. It's just our family, we're investing in a spiritual portfolio to give offerings to those in need. That's our choice. That's how the Lord is speaking to us. Now, why do I tell you this? Because on the other side of this pizza box is another number I didn't show you last week. And I had to ask Colleen permission if I could share this with you. I wasn't quite sure myself because it's personal and it's sensitive. But we prayed together and felt the Lord just kind of release us to share this with you because I think God blesses honest, open transparency, amen? 
So Colin and I go back this past week in our records and we added up what God has allowed us to give over the last 25 years in tithes and offerings. And we did the math. Colleen keeps excellent records, okay? She's the math person. And what we've seen Jesus do just kind of blows my mind. Because this was our combined income first year of marriage, 42 plus 45, $87,000. That's our joint income. That's man's math. But because Jesus is a God of multiplication, over the last 25 years, he's enabled our family to give $875,000 to his work here at Liquid and around the world. And don't clap for us. We didn't do this. You understand? This is Jesus's miracle because only what is given away can multiply. Understand, at no time have we ever had this amount of money in our possession. Never in our, our checking, never in our savings. Over the years, we've simply been a funnel. For two decades and a half, we just like, we're going to give our first and our best to Jesus, and then he would bless it, and we'd give more out to bless others. I'm telling you, whatever you will put in his hands, he will multiply. And you become this funnel for God to feed the hungry through you. I tell you this because God's word is 100% true. I said to I go, can you do the math again? We double checked this number three times this week. I said, is this right? Like God has blessed our family to give 10 times what our salaries were 25 years ago. I'm telling you from experience, only what's given away can multiply. There's, there's plenty of families in this church, by the way, who have given a lot more over the years. I felt like the Lord saying, Tim, you should share your story because it's easy to look at other rich people and say, well, they're rich. You know, that's easy for them to give. We're not. Our family's middle class. We have one home with a mortgage we're still trying to pay down. Kali and I both work two full-time jobs. My wife's business is struggling right now. We're trying to figure out how to pay for two colleges. We're trying to save for retirement someday. And I get it. Some of you are like, man, eight, eight, what? 875000 that's crazy. Tim, think of what you could have done if you didn't give away. You could have saved it and bought a second home with that money. True. Tim, you could have paid cash for both your kids' college. Also true. Tim, you could have saved that money for retirement and not even worry about it, man. Perhaps true. Tim, God still would have blessed you. False. All these years, we would have been robbing God and robbing ourselves of the joy of getting to give. Not giving to get or keep or hoard for ourselves, but getting to give and our heart actually expanding and becoming more like his. So young people, can I give you some wisdom from a middle-aged man halfway through life's journey? Don't rob yourself. Don't rob God. It is great to have goals. Just make sure the eternal ones. Never make your goals something stupid and small-minded like the biggest house or the newest car. Never make your goal retiring with lots of toys or even stuff that sounds noble, like I'm, I just want to leave you know, millions to my kids. By the way, parents, that's how you wreck your kids. Don't rob them of the joy of hard work and sacrifice and generosity. Make giving to God and giving to others your family goal because God says I want to do more through you than you can even imagine. I can do more. Oh, Colin and I talked about this week. We're like, what's our new goal? We couldn't believe it because we've never added it up. And we were like, you know what? Whatever time we got left, by the time I'm dead, go see Jesus. By, time, by the time it all goes back in the box, because you know you can't take it with you, right? We're asking God for the, the grace to give between $1 and $2 million to the work of Jesus Christ. 
because you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. I want to do it so that when we get to heaven, we can be like, did, did, you, did you get it, Lord? That's our goal, to be like a river where God's money just kind of flows through our hands and, and it just goes out to others in needs and there's this ROI waiting because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, amen? Young people, listen to me. There is something better than being rich. It's called being blessed. And I'm a little emotional because God's word is 100% true. We tasted it. And I'm telling you, God wants to bless you too. If you will open your hands, he will multiply your resources beyond what you can dream so you can leave a legacy for generations far beyond you. Never forget, as his, as his disciples, oh, you and I, we get to give. So listen to his voice. Do whatever he tells you. And take Jesus up on his challenge because I know you'll be blessed too. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer together. Let's bow our heads wherever we are. Let's just take a moment to be silent. And in this moment, let me ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Like how is Jesus speaking to you through this message? encourage you, those of you with the gift of giving, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> Father, we thank you that we get to give. And we thank you that you gave us your first and your best in our Messiah, Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you for the gift and the grace of giving that's on this church. Lord, it's the privilege and joy of our lives to be part of this. And I just pray right now over my precious brothers and sisters as they open their hands. Would you just open your hands? Open your hands in a sign of, of giving, sign of surrender. Or as they open their hands, would you put your hand on them and empower them to give beyond their ability and store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't decay and thieves don't break in and steal. Father God, do more than we can ask or imagine for our good, but most of all, for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Well, listen, just stay seated where you are at our campuses. We're going to close our service by calling our ushers forward, actually, to receive today's tithes and offerings, right? This is the time where we actually flex our generosity muscles. I just want to thank you again. Thanks for being such a generous church family, especially those of you taking the 90-day tithe challenge. You're, you're changing lives here in New Jersey. You're changing lives around the world, but you're also changing your own legacy. Reminder, there's always a few ways you can give uh, here at Liquid. I want to thank those of you who already gave online. That's what Colleen and I do before we get here. We give online. You can give through our, our app, our mobile app, or in the bucket. We're going to pass a bucket around. Go ahead, ushers. You can pass those around right now. We also put a postage paid envelope. And just let you know, you know, those of you, again, gift of giving, those of you who, who maybe you invest in stocks, and you know you could give those to the Lord's work. If you're, if you're joining us online or you just have questions, just go to liquidchurch.com give. And however you give, whatever you give, 
from my heart to yours, thank you. Thank you. Jesus thanks you. And it is a joy to be on mission with Jesus together. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.